Revelation chapter 9 has the fifth and sixth trumpets sounded. The first and second woes. These are hellish or infernal judgments. Here now the reading of God's inspired word. Revelation chapter 9 starting at verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold. And their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were two hundred thousand thousand. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which, which issued out of their mouths. 
for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Thus far the reading of God's holy word from Revelation chapter 9. Verses 1 through 12 of this most enigmatic passage, we have the fifth trumpet, the fallen star, the infernal army of locusts and scorpions, and their king angel Apollyon. The fifth angel sounded in verse 1, and he saw a star fall from, un, from heaven unto the earth. Now remember from chapter 1, verse 20, what are these stars? They are the angels or the ministers of the churches of Christ. You had the candlesticks, seven in number, and you had seven stars for those seven candlesticks, one minister or angel for each church. So here we have this fallen angel, this minister of the church, raised to the zenith of power, fallen down from heavenly doctrine to what? To groveling upon the earth and to worse, we will see. The stars reflecting the light on the golden candlesticks, they're to reflect the light of the sun, which is Jesus Christ speaking through his word. Heaven is the realm of God's rule, Earth is the realm of the beast and the dragon. Throughout the book of Revelation, we'll find this. The inhabitants of the earth are the ones who are cursed by God for persecuting the saints who dwell where? In heaven, under the altar, dwelling with the lamb. So here we have this once great fallen. Now here, notice it says, I saw a star fall. And we would think ordinarily in English, the way this is translated, it sounds like, He's watching it happen, but it's actually in what we call the perfect tense. This fallen angel already fell, this star of the church, he already fell, and he continues in his fallen condition. Now, if you recall from the previous chapter, chapter 8, there was a fallen star, and his name was what? Wormwood. You remember this? And he... He befouled and he embittered all the waters that men would drink, whether rivers or springs of water. They became bitter like that wormwood. Now, this same fallen star has gone merely from befouling the pure waters and only getting a third of it. What does he do now? Now he has the keys. And remember, what did God give to his apostles and ministers of the church? He gave them keys, didn't he? He gave them keys to the kingdom of God to bind and to loose. Did he say, here, Peter, I want you to have the key to hell. I want you to have a key to the infernal region. Did he have that? No. They were the keys of the kingdom of heaven, not of the kingdom of hell. But notice this fallen star. What key does he have? He has the key to the bottomless pit. 
It was given to him. You might even say, in exchange for his lust for worldly power and coming down from the heights of heavenly truth to groveling in the muck and mire of men, what is he given? The key of hell. The key of the bottomless pit. Lawful ministers have the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Apostate and anti-Christian ministers have the key of the bottomless pit or the abyss. Christ's stars reflect his light and they admit men to the kingdom of heaven. The devil's fallen stars, where do they admit men? To the kingdom of darkness. They bring them in this anti-Christian supremacy. They bring in to hell. I note then that the Antichrist is a star or minister of the candlesticks. One eminently noted as a minister in the church of Christ who would fall from the heavenly doctrine into earthly errors of foul superstition. His status as a fallen minister affords him the keys over the infernal powers so that he can cloud out the scriptures. That's what happens, right? When he unlocks the powers of hell, what happens to the sun? Where the light is shining on men from God above. What happens to that light? Well, it's darkened, isn't it? He goes and covers over the word of God. Let us receive the blazing sun of Christ and his word. Let us not be befouled with the Antichrist covering over the word of God. There arose a smoke, verse 2 tells us, out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace, an infernal or hellish error, lawlessness to blot out the truth of Christ and the scriptures, the sun, and those regions lightened by the sun. What gets lightened by the sun? Well, the air does, doesn't it? So if you have smoke in the air, you can't even see the sun any longer. No one is enlightened by the light any longer. And as that smoke comes forth, the smoke brings forth and breeds locusts upon the earth. These scripture-smothering errors and foul livings of these evil beasts fallen in the church to this worldly doctrine, they breed those that are quick, subtle, and hurtful without number. That's what locusts are. They destroy your crops. They continually breed. You can't catch them. They, they just everywhere, and you can't catch up with them either. Boing, 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 try catching one of them. You can't do it. They are destructive. They are multitudinous. They are quick. They are agile. And so, out of the powers of infernal doctrine, the friars and the monks come forth, the followers and patrons of errors. And notice, it was commanded unto them by God's decree, by God himself, that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. Notice, God infuses life. What is there in these creatures of hell? Do they have anything green about them? Is there any living beauty or growth of plants? No. Brimstone, fire, death, stings, destruction. That's what they have. That's all they have to offer you. But God says that he has a people that cannot be deceived. They cannot be moved aside. In fact, he says, if it were possible, the very elect should be deceived, meaning it's not possible for the elect to be deceived. 
He's going to preserve his living ones. He's going to preserve his lawful ministers. He's going to preserve those infused with the Spirit of God, the green things of the earth. Their destructive and seductive forces go only against the reprobates. Unlike the original Wormwood, remember what he could do? He could befoul the waters so that when you wanted to go and get water, what happened? You had Wormwood instead of water and you would die from it. Now God says, no, I don't want you harming my people. I want you to stay away from them. You have no power over them. Only those men, verse 4 tells us, which have not the seal of God in their forehead. Antichrist exercises power only over the reprobates. A fallen star over reprobate men, a match made in hell, you might say. They may be sealed with the waters of a kind of baptism, but not sealed with the gospel and the law of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, they should not kill them, that is, those that they sting, but that they should be tormented five months. Now, five months in the book of Revelation, a day could be accounted as a year. And if you took five months... 5 times 30 equals what? 150 or 150 days or 150 years. Most of our Reformed commentators consider this to be some extended period of time. Some say 500 years, some say 150 years, but it is an extended period of time, indefinite but limited. There's a limit to it. It's only five months. That's the ordinary life of a little grasshopper that goes around or a locust. They live about five months. They come up in the spring. They die off in the fall. So they're going to be here a specific amount of time to vex, to torment, and to hurt. They give the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Scorpions cause burning and sickness, derangement, disability, torment, and death. The wicked will be vexed with these poisonous doctrines. And notice the shapes of these locusts. Verse 7. Like unto a horse prepared unto battle, God's army as in Joel 2. On their heads were, as it were, crowns of gold. These disgusting, filthy creatures consider themselves royalty. They consider themselves to have some kind of glorious kingdom and value to them. John Gill, commenting on this passage, says that these may be supposed to be the Western locusts. The respect here is paid to the triple crown on the head of them, the caps of the cardinals, the mitres of the bishops, and the shaven pates of the priests in form of crowns. You know, they used to do this tonsure, right? They would shave the top of their head. Do you know why? Because they had a crown or a halo upon their heads with their angelic sanctity and their dominion in the church. Crowns upon their heads. Their faces were as the faces of men. And show perhaps of courage or manhood or humanity or kindness. Look, I'm a man just like you are. Are they a man? They're some freak of nature. They're a horse locust with a scorpion sting. Don't tell me you're a man. But notice, not just faces of men. What else did they have? They had hair as the hair of women. What does women's hair do? You remember Absalom? Long flowing hair? 
That's a woman's hair. That's what he's saying. They have this show of meekness and submission and humility. Did you know what the Pope calls himself? The servant of the servants of God. He has a woman's hair. He pretends to be someone submissive and someone under authority. But is he in fact? No, he stings with the poison of error. Notice the teeth. They're as the teeth of lions. For all the show of humanity with a man's face, for all the show of meekness with a woman's hair, what actually does the beast do? It destroys, it devours, its teeth are sharp and destructive, a wolf in sheep's clothing. The Dutch annotations say the following, which with a fair countenance like men captivate the hearts of many, and by their long hair as women's hair do indeed feign mildness and meekness, but they have their teeth like lion's teeth, to hurt Christians by their inquisitions and other sharp and cruel procedures, who over against all secular power place their privileges and immunities granted them by their king an iron breastplate, and by the sound of their wings do exalt themselves above others and make all the world afraid. Lastly, who with their tales, that is, their superstitious doctrines, do exceedingly vex and torment those men who have not the seal of God. Notice verse 11. These have a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. Now again, this could be either Satan himself, or in context, it could be the fallen star Wormwood, grown up toward the height and zenith of anti-Christian power. He now is given this dominion over these demons and these wicked spirits. In either case, the Hebrew name is Avadon, which means one who destroys. And in the Greek tongue, he has the name Apollyon, means the same thing, the destroying one, the destroyer. He destroys his subjects, and as Chrysostom points out, will be destroyed by God himself. When Christ comes in the fullness of his presence, what will happen to the man of sin? What will happen to the Antichrist? Christ is said to waste him away with the breath of his mouth and to destroy him with the brightness of his coming. He is the destroyer who will be destroyed, Apollyon. Verse 12 the announcement of two more woes hereafter. Again, these events were not before 70 AD. These are events that are stretched out throughout the whole course of history, one following the other, following the other. That's why the word hereafter is used concerning the next two woes. They succeed in historical succession after this woe, the first woe, or the fifth trumpet. Then there will be a sixth then there will be a seventh trumpet, and then the fullness of the trumpets will be done, and we will see the vials. Now then, verses 13 through 21, the sixth trumpet. Babylon's angels are loosed, and their horsemen. He heard a voice, he says, in verse 13, from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. This is the altar of incense. We saw this in the last chapter. This is not the collective voice of the martyrs under the altar, not voices. This is one voice. What was the voice at the altar of incense? The angel, Christ himself, our great high priest, 
Christ says and speaks to these angels, or this angel in particular, he says to loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now, the land of Babylon and much of the ancient world existed upon the Euphrates. You'd have the Tigris to the north, the Euphrates to the south, and eventually they meet and they spill out into the Dead Sea. This is an extremely important river. Babylon was located near it and other important cities of the ancient world. But notice, what are these powers, these four powers? Likely these are the powers of the Turks, the Arabs, the Tartars, and the Sarakans. These are the four principal Muslim nations. These Eastern nations who have this destructive force, as we will see, this Eastern Antichrist, as we call them. There is the Western Antichrist, the star of the church who's fallen. Then there is the Eastern Antichrist who rises up out of their river, the great river Euphrates, to wreak havoc on the people of God. Notice, they were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men, verse 15. If we calculate this, a year is 365 days, a month is 30 days, one more day added to that is about 396 years. Many believe this refers to the first Seljuk Turk ruler, the imperial ruler of the Muslims, crowned in 1057 AD, to the fall of Constantinople in 1453. At that time, what happened at 1453, when Constantinople fell, do you know where we got our Greek New Testament from? Do you know where the ancient manuscripts of the Eastern Greek Church Fathers came from? Where the writings of Plato and Aristotle, the ancient pagans, came from? It came from Constantinople and the Muslims coming and raiding and destroying them such that the light of the Word of God in the New Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures came to Europe. And what happened then? The Protestant Reformation. God worked mightily even through these wicked and ungodly infernal powers forwarding the purpose of Christ for his church. Notice the strength of their armies. 200,000,000 was the number of them. 200,000,000. This is a vast army, is it not? John Trapp notes that over the ages, if you think about the Muslims over all this period of time, they would have about 200,000 men per battle. And in one notable battle, Trapp points out, they had a million soldiers, seeming endless supply of soldiers from the Muslims, innumerable, insurmountable, going forth with destructive power. Notice their breastplates are of fire, of jacinth and brimstone. Their heads of their horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Merciless, cruel, destructive, tearing the prey, bringing infernal powers to destroy their enemies. This suits to a T the Eastern Antichrist. These three, by the brimstone and the fire and the smoke, they killed the third part of mankind. Some believe this refers to the great guns used by the Turks in their sieges of various cities, 
bringing massive destruction and spiritual defection all over the Eastern world. Did you know that everywhere where Islam now is used to be the Christian church? In fact, in the land of Turkey, where the Seljuk Turks had their dominion and their Ottoman Empire, do you know that in the book of Revelation at the beginning, who's he writing to? Seven churches of Asia. Where are they? Where are they now? They're in Turkey right now because the Muslim hordes went and sacked and destroyed and overcame all of North Africa, up into Europe, up even to Italy, all the way into France until they were finally pushed back. A massive, seemingly unconquerable army of merciless, cruel, and anti-Christian soldiers. The power of their horses was both in their mouth and in their tails. The tail was like a serpent, and their heads breathed out brimstone and fire, destructive in every part. But notice, the rest of the men, not killed by these plagues, did they repent of their sins on seeing the vast judgment of God against those who did not have the mark in their forehead? Did they turn from their wicked ways of idolatry, of fornication, of uncleanness, of worshiping devils, of idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood? No, they did no such thing. And notice the commentary, just like the ancient prophets. What does the Holy Spirit say about these idols? He says this, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Note, nothing manufactured is to be adored. Manufacturing is when you make things with your hands. Manus is your hand. Facter is to make something. Manufacture means to make something with your hands. How many things that are manufactured should we worship? Nothing. How many things that are to be worshipped should be manufactured? None. Nothing that is manufactured is to be worshipped or adored. Nothing that is to be adored is to be manufactured. But heathenism teaches religious reverence for manufactured things, as does the wormwood star, the apostate from heavenly truth. They did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their fornication, nor their thefts. These plagues and judgment should have warned them, but alas, they continued in their wicked ways. And thus far, the exposition of Revelation chapter 9.